Section two of Vagabond Adventures. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vagabond Adventures by Ralph Keeler. Book one Among Wharves and Cabins. Chapter two Family Matters. It may be laid down as a general principle to start with that a boy had better not run away from home good and pious reasons are not wanting and might be here adduced in substantiation of this general principle some trite moralizing might be done just now in a grave statement that an urchin needs not run away into the world after its troubles since they will come running to him soon enough and that a home is the last fortress weary men build and oftentimes place in their wives names against the slings and arrows of outrageous misfortune why therefore it may be asked with overwhelming conviction to the adult who by the way is not supposed to be one of the congregation of the present preaching why therefore should the juvenile fugitive hasten unduly to leave what all the effort of his after-life will be to regain thus having done my duty by any boy of a restless disposition who may chance to read these memoirs and be influenced by my vagrant example i proceed to state that i ran away from home at the mature age of eleven and have not been back to stay overnight from that remote period to this present writing it is due however to both of us the home and myself to observe that it was not a very attractive hearth that i ran from my father and mother were dead and no brothers or sisters of mine were there nothing at all indeed like affection but something very much like its opposite on the whole i think under exactly the same circumstances i would run away again but i hope this remark will not lead the thoughtless reader to assume that i am not of a respectable family no well-regulated memoir could be written without one a respectable family has long since become the acknowledged starting-point and not unfrequently the scapegoat of your conventional autobiography a posteriori therefore our respectability is established from the very fact that there is an autobiographer in the family when however a great truth has once been discovered it is always easy to find many paths of proof converging toward it when kepler for instance by some strange guess or inspiration hit upon the colossal fact that the planets move in elliptical orbits it was comparatively an easy thing or should have been to make this scientific parallel correct to comment half a dozen proofs of it in the simple properties of the conic sections thus too fortunately for us the respectability of our family can be proved in many ways and even like kepler's laws by mathematics itself nay our proofs can be and indeed are established by common arithmetical notation and numeration because the members of our family are generally rich this is manifestly an unusual advantage for an autobiographer since as is well known he almost invariably comes of poor but honest parents and there is no little pride mixed with the candor with which i boast that i am to this day pecuniarily the poorest of my race the devious course of my wanderings as a youthful negro minstrel 
and as the european tourist of one hundred and eighty-one paper dollars left me in the early part of my life no time or inclination to look into such commonplaces as the matters of my inheritance it was but a week ago that i rode over the broad ohio prairie where i was born and passed by the pleasant farms which with the broad prairie were the patrimony left to me or i should say to the kind gentleman who administered them for me that property has never been any care to me it was so thoroughly administered during my minority that i have never since had the trouble even of collecting rents now there may be people of a recklessly imaginative type who suppose it would excite a pleasurable thrill to ride thus over a great prairie which bears one's own name but no more tangible emolument for the quondam heir and there may be people of so aspiring mental constitutions as to think it a grateful rollicking piece of vanity to pass unrecognized through a town which was once sold by one's own administrator for fifty-two dollars but i am free to confess that i have endured these honors within the past week and have carried nothing away with me in the matter of gratification or sentiment but a dash of the sadness which has settled about the wreck and ruin of the old homestead nothing seems to thrive there but the cold spring at the foot of the sand ridge and the poplar and weeping willow which grow above it these trees had and have for me a plaintive undertone to the rhythm of their rustling leaves which i do not hope to make others hear the willow was the whip with which a friend rode twenty miles from the county seat to visit my father in the early times and it was stuck in the ground there on the margin of the spring by my little sister the poplar was planted beside it by my mother they are both tall trees now and a sprig from one of them has been growing a long time over the graves of father mother and sister at an early stage of my existence and of my orphanage i was introduced to a species of intransitu life being passed from one natural guardian to another very much as wood is loaded upon mississippi steamboats it was indeed rather a rough passage of short stages each however more remote from my ohio birthplace and i have always thought there would not have been so many figurative slivers left behind in the hands through which i passed if the passage had not been so rough and headlong finally at the age of eight or nine years i was shipped away to buffalo new york to be placed at school i was sent thither down lake erie from toledo on board the old steamer indiana captain appleby commanding many are yet living i suppose who will remember this craft the first of the kind upon which i ever embarked for my part at least i think i shall forget everything else before i forget the noble sheet-iron indian who stood astride of her solitary smokestack and bent his bow and pointed his arrow at the lake breezes a meagre brass band too as was the generous custom of those days was attached to the steamer and discoursed thin gratuitous music during the voyage to a more sophisticated gaze the attenuated besmoked brave of my juvenile rapture would alas have looked more like an indifferent silhouette 
plastered belligerently against the sky but it was the first piece of statuary i ever saw as that execrable brass band made the first concert i ever heard and the apollo belvedere at rome or strauss's own orchestra led by himself at vienna has never since excited in me such honest thrills of admiration it was many and many a month before that swarthy sheet-iron indian ceased occasionally to sail at night through a mingled cloud of coal-smoke and brass music in my boyish dreams the lake was remarkably calm and the entire passage to buffalo was for years one of my pleasantest memories on that first voyage undoubtedly was engendered the early love of steamboats the fruit of which ripened soon afterward into the adventures i am about to relate nothing i am convinced but this boundless affection for the species of craft in question enables me to remember as shall be seen directly the names of all the old lake steamers i had to do with in my boyhood and this by the way is no small internal evidence of the truth of what follows but i should not have called your attention to the fact and i should not have been forced to parade my conscientiousness here again if i had not come already to the most embarrassing period in all my history without seeming to manifest a feeling which i am sure i do not now entertain i cannot write about the two or three miserable years i passed in buffalo and if i omit to write about them a great share of the dramatic flavor of my story is lost i cannot therefore convey to you even the regret with which i am compelled to pass over this period of my life because you cannot know as i think i do that exactly such a childish experience of unlovely restraint has never yet got into literature every time i pass the old public schoolhouse number seven in buffalo i stop and gaze at it with a queer sort of interest yet i cannot confess to any sentimental regard for it since it was after a manner the innocent cause of my enduring at least the last six months of my unpleasant life in its neighborhood if i had not been so interested by day in the principle and duties of that school i am sure i should have fled much sooner than i did from the roof which sheltered me of nights finally however one domestic misunderstanding greater than many others brought me to a conclusion which was certainly as comprehensive in its wrath as it may have been lacking in a premise or two of its logic at this temperate remove from that exciting period i am led at least to doubt in the interest of certain kin of mine who could hardly have been responsible for facts they knew not of whether i was not guilty of that poetic fallacy placed in its first utterance i believe in the mouth of an illustrious trojan and worn very threadbare ever since in the mouth and practice of almost every one whether i did not that is learn a great deal too much from one to judge very unjustly of all at any rate in the domestic crisis just alluded to i rebelled against authority whose insignia were fasces of disagreeable beech-whips and at the mature age of eleven years took a solemn vow that i would have nothing more to do with the people of my home circle in buffalo or with any whatsoever of my relatives 
some of whom had placed me there and i ran away end of chapter two family matters